Sister Fowler to name it. I don't know what she named it, but whatever. This is, name it whatever you want Sunday. But what I'm going to deal with, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to deal with how to handle uh, change. Amen? In Proverbs chapter 2, verse 11, there's a verse. I'm going to read it to you out of the New Living Translation. It says this, Wise choices will watch over you. Understanding will keep you safe. And what that really means is this, when the understanding keep you safe in the original, it means understanding will become your bodyguard. Understanding will get between you and harm. When harm is coming your way, whether it be physical, financial, emotional, in whichever way harm is coming towards you, understanding will get between you and harm. It'll keep you safe. And what this verse is saying is, listen, that although life is filled with challenges... If you and I can access the wisdom of God, and that's not hard, you know why? Because Christ has been made unto us wisdom. Wisdom is within us. All we've got to do is remember who we are, right? How many of you know there's three things that I've told you repeatedly that you need to know in order to serve God successfully and live a successful life? You need to know who your father is. Your father is not the mean, judgmental punisher that religion has made him out to be. He is kind, he's loving, he's forgiving, and he's always reaching out to you. If you want to know who your father is, read the story of the prodigal son. Because that's the story where the father was the star, not the prodigal son. Well, you need to know who your father is. You need to know how great his love is toward you. And then lastly, you need to know who you are in him. Amen? And each of us are more than who we become. So we need to be able to access the, the, um, the wisdom of God so that we can make wise choices. And when we make wise choices, then we'll make wise decisions or we'll, 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 we'll have understanding because all understanding is is a byproduct of wisdom. When you have wisdom, you have understanding. When you have understanding, you're immune to the challenges of life. So if, if we can access wisdom in any of life's challenges, we will never lose. Not one battle, not one inch, not one day of life. Not one. Amen? So today, I just want to throw that out. Today, I want you to go to the book of Hebrews. And this is where we'll start with whatever the title is. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 27 I'm going to read this to you out of the New Living Translation. The Bible says this means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. Do you see that? I'm going to read it again. This means that all of creation, everyone say all of creation. All of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. My purpose today, with the Holy Spirit's help, is to show you how to deal in a godly way with change. Because change, it has been said by men much smarter than myself, is the only unchangeable facet of life. The only thing that's common to every man, every woman, no matter what their economic standing is, no matter what their background is, no matter what their gender is, the only thing that all humans have in common is change. Every life is impacted by change. Not every life deals with it wisely, but we got to learn to deal with it wisely because we can't pray our way out, we can't buy our way out, and cover girl will only cover up for so long. Change is a coming. Amen? So we need to learn how to deal with it. And, and, and in preparing for this, I, I was reminded of a story that I read in one of my books a long time ago. And it was about an ancient Jewish historian. And I, I want to recount it to you so that you know that what you're going through is not uncommon. In fact, others have gone through much worse than what you're going through. Whenever you and I are going through something, the devil likes to try to convince us, ain't nobody ever had it as bad, had it as hard, no one's ever been as misunderstood. And the reason he's doing that is so you'll cut yourself off from everyone because you, instead of pushing through, you want to sit down and have a pity party because 
Nobody ever had it as bad as you have it. And the truth of the matter is there are others who have gone through a lot worse than what you and I are going through, and they came out on the upside, not the downside. They came out as more than conquerors and victorious, and if they did it, you and I can do it. There ain't no reason in the world why you and I can't win. Amen. Not a reason in the world. Well, the story, the, the tale that this man told was, of course, as a Jew, he was a citizen of a very proud nation, a nation that felt like they would last for an eternity because they were the people of God. Okay. You follow me? I mean, they were, they, were, they were the beneficiaries of a covenant that nobody else had access to. None of their enemies, none of their allies, none of their neighbors, they and they alone were blessed among all of their peers. So they thought that nothing would ever change. Can I tell you this? That even if you walk by faith, change is going to come. Even if you're the most anointed person that's ever walked the planet, change is going to come. Change impacts all of us. We can't avoid it. we got to learn to benefit from it. And that's my purpose today, to help you benefit from the season of change that we are in. Because this is not personal change. This is global change. But we got, we got the ingenious one on the inside. Yeah. Well, this man, can you turn me down a little bit, please? This man, he, he, he encountered change head on because Rome had, had grown tired of the constant uprisings and upheavals and rebellion of the Jewish people. So they sent change to Israel. They sent change dressed like Roman soldiers. And change came into Israel and murdered, multiplied millions of people. They made their way into Jerusalem and they took the temple apart brick by brick. They, 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 they poured so much soil on the land, the intent was that nothing would grow on that sacred ground for a thousand years. Then they went so far, listen to me, they went, everyone say change. Change. They went so far as to change every public record to erase the name Israel and replace it with Palestine because their intent was that there would never again be a mention of nor a memory of that land. And this man was in the midst who once believed that we were the people immune to all of this change and our nation will go unchanged for a thousand years, or for an eternity I should say, but change came. And change totally upset his world. But listen, not only, what makes his tale unique was not only was he a citizen of Israel, he was a citizen of the kingdom of Christ. He had joined himself to this movement early on. When this movement had such vibrancy and such life that thousands of people were joining themselves to it every day. And it was believed by those early followers of Christ that the whole world, every man, every woman, every boy, every girl would be Christian in the matter of a couple years. The momentum was so powerful. But this self-same Rome came in and murdered every one of the leaders of the church. Every man who walked with Christ was murdered by Rome. So this man sitting there in the midst of uncertainty and change could not look to his nation and could not look to the church because both were gone. The church had been driven so far underground you couldn't find it. Y'all listening to me? Now see, his story is, is, is pretty like an earthquake hit his world and everything that could be shaken was. And our tale isn't maybe not as violent as his. But change has come just as quickly. Because you and I look as we drive around Greenville and we look around. It's not what it was just six weeks ago. You follow me? Change has come. So how do we deal with it? What do we do? Because every y'all following me this morning. What I want you to know is that, listen, you can't avoid change. There's nowhere you can go that change isn't there. There are some generations that it seemed as if change had been conquered, had been stopped. And in and, 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 and that land and at that time for that generation, it seemed as if nothing changed. Their great-grandparents rode horses, their grandparents rode horses, their daddy rode horses, and they rode horses. Nothing had changed. Yet even in that, change was like the current that flowed under the river. 
You couldn't see it on the surface, but even in a generation when it seemed like there was no change, the young were constantly growing old. And the old were having to make way for the young. Change came. For us, our, our change isn't so still, isn't so gentle. Many of us, some of us have been affected more than others. Some of us have lost our jobs, lost our income. Some have lost hope because change came like an earthquake. They weren't prepared for it, but the shaking occurred. They, woke, they went to bed one day with everything being open. They woke up the next day and it was all closed. Everything shuttered. Even in a midst like this, there are things that you and I can know. Is this okay this morning? I'm just trying to lay the foundation so that you and I know that when we're going through change, this ain't new. Every man since Adam has had change in his life. Every woman since Eve has had change in his life. Every person ever born, no matter where they were born, when they were born, what tribe they were born into, change is the only unchangeable thing of life. Well, we all have, I, I think we all have a, a love-hate relationship with change. There are some, you know... Uh, We love to sing about change. We love to preach sermons about change. We write poems about change. In my opinion, one of the greatest songs ever written by Sam Cooke is, A change is going to come. And yet when it comes, we resist it. We complain about it. We cuss it out. We wish we, that it would go away, but a change... Is going to come because we all have this love-hate relationship with it. And there's, I think there's a variety of reasons for that. I think part of us, we don't like change because we were, we were created, not necessarily, we were created by perfection, in perfection, for perfection. So that, that, that divine DNA in us, I think, resists change because we want everything to stay the same because we serve a God who does not change and we were created in an environment that did not change. But then sin entered in and everything, and it's been changing ever since. And then the, the, the love part of change is we love change because we're trying to get back to that nirvana state where we were created to be, where everything is, is as it should be, but we're an imperfect people living in an imperfect land, so we got to press through to a brighter day. So we love change, yet we hate change. It's like a divine dichotomy, but we, it, it is what it is, man, it is. Change is. So we got to learn how to deal with it. Because when change comes, I, I was thinking about this. I'm still trying to find my way through here, y'all. Just going to have to bear with me. When everything changes, the familiar goes away. And then we wonder what's going to take its place. You know, yesterday was my birthday and everyone asked me, what did we do? And where did we go? And I tell them we went out and they kind of look at me. I said, we went to the finest restaurant in town and dined on steak. Really? No, Jack, everything's closed. I ate bone broth at home. Come on. But, you know, there was, just for the sake of, you know, nostalgia, remembering. Some of you may have, this may have already faded from your memory, but there was a day when we had this amazing business concept. It had a rather unique name. It was called a restaurant. And you could go into this restaurant and they would give you a, a, a thing called a menu. Some of you are too young to remember this, but there was a day when we had one and you, you could go into this and you could look up and down and left and right and some people would read it from the right to the left to decide what they were going to get. But when you made your choices, there would be a specialist that would stand right at the foot of your table and they were waiting for you to give them a command. And you, you, you gave them your order and then they would... Y'all remember this? this, this these were the days, man. I'm telling you what, change came, but before change, those were the days. You could tell them what it was you wanted and they would disappear into a back room where another specialist waited for their command and they told them what you wanted and there was someone back there who would prepare it and plate it and they would bring it out to you and lay it on the table and you feasted and when you were done, they would take the plates away. Look, Ma. No dishpan hands, man, because you didn't have to clean. They would take it away, and then you just got up and you left. Those were enjoyable days, but everything has 
Now, listen, everyone, whether they're prophet or political pundit, is telling us what tomorrow's going to look like, but they don't know. They're guessing. Because we may come out of this with everything being nearly identical, and we might come out of this with nothing being identical. Nobody knows these are uncertain days, but one thing is certain. The church of the living God will come out of this prosperous. The church of the living God will come out of this healed. And the church of the living God will come out of this moving forward because we don't ever retreat. Is this okay this morning? So all I'm trying to tell you so far is that change comes. And when it comes, it doesn't matter whether we embrace it or resent it. It doesn't matter whether we love it or we reject it. It's here we've got to learn how to deal with it. Amen? This thing keeps shutting off, so you'll have to forgive me. Hallelujah, Father. Go with me to the book of Genesis. Genesis 8, chapter 22. While you're turning there, they're putting it up on the screen. One of the things that I think another reason why that we resist change is because all change involves conflict. If it's internal, we come into conflict with ourselves. You know, you can't even change your shirt without inner conflict. You can't change your mind without some form. But now when it's global, there's a great deal of conflict. But conflict doesn't need to be a negative thing. It can be a very creative time because you find a new way of accomplishing what used to be easier. Right? According to, according, according to people who study this, I want to give you this three different forms of change, three different uh, types of change. All of them come to us, and in each one we have an opportunity to increase. Because one of the things about change... How do I say this, Father? Put up the definition of change. If you look up the definition of change, it literally just means this, to make different. To make different. And I want you to see this because change is neither angelic nor demonic. It's not good or bad. Change is a blank slate. See, some people see all change is good. They're the super minority. They're the oddballs. They change just to change. I can call them oddballs because I'm not only a member of that club, I'm the president. <laughs> you know, I'm not talking about the hair club of America either. I like change. When we would go to those places called restaurants, I would choose. My wife will, once she finds what she likes, they better have it the next time she comes because she does not make change. She likes what she likes. I choose new things. All I like going different routes to get to the same place. It might be a blessing, it might be bad. You don't know till you try. I like changing things. Because to me, whether I'm right or wrong, change is a sign of progress. It might not be better change, but it's change. But not everyone's like that. Some people have a, a more like my wife. They don't want, it, they don't want change because they know what they like. But whether you're me or you're her or somewhere in between, we all got to deal with it. Right? So the, the, the change is, you got to see that change is not bad necessarily. You can make it bad by the way you approach it and by constantly looking back and holding on to what used to be and crying about what isn't anymore. And one of the things, I, okay, now I'm getting to, one of the things that you got to understand is as of yet, ain't no one ever invented a time machine. So once something is changed, it doesn't matter whether it was changed five decades ago or five seconds ago, you ain't never going back. A time machine ain't been invented. You can't get back to the way it was. So what we need to do, and I've often said this, when people are processing life changes, the first thing we want to do is ask why. But why is often the wrong question to ask. Because why is trying to assign blame to whoever caused the change. But why is not the right question to ask? What is a better question? Lord, it already has happened, right, wrong, or indifferent, whether it was a good thing or a bad thing. The question now i got to ask is, what do I do now? Because I can't go back and change the change. I can't undo it. It's like an email that you wish you had. How many of you ever sent off an email in the heat of an emotion? And as soon as you hit send, you wish you had never sent it. I got, I got a house full of liars. 
And one person to... Y'all know whether you sent an email or you said it, you, you, you wished you hadn't done it. But the fact is, once you've said it, it's sent. Once you hit send, it's sent. You can't go back and get it. Now, you, instead of saying, why did I do that? You say, what do I do now? And this is the way with it. When we understand that what change is, change is not the end. I heard a preacher say one time, change is only the end. Or a curve in the road becomes the end. The way he said it, a curve in the road becomes the end of the road if you fail to make the turn. But when we understand that things are changing and we ask the right questions, Lord, what do I do now? And you notice who I asked. Lord, what do I do now? He will give you the instructions and so you can follow the curves and your foot will never slip and you'll never find yourself off track. Because even in a time of famine, when a multitude of people are making bad decisions, you can say, Lord, what do I do now? And the Holy Spirit, who is the greatest teacher that has ever lived, will tell you exactly what to do. Brother Hagen used to tell us a story of a man who was uneducated. He didn't come from a Harvard uh, Ivy League business school. All he had was the Holy Ghost and the ability to say, shada bada 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 shada bada 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 shada bada 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 shada. He prayed himself into a wealthy place because during the time of the great famine, the, the Great Depression of America, when geniuses and those trained in economics were throwing themselves from high buildings, this man would pray in tongues until the Lord told him what to do. And throughout the Great Depression, he never lost a single penny. Not one penny he invested was ever lost because his approach to it was, Lord, what do I do now? And when, when the Great Depression was over, this man, this uneducated man who came from the wrong side of the tracks, raised in the dust bowls of Oklahoma, was a multi-millionaire. Yes. Everyone say, Lord, Lord, what do I do now? What you don't do is freak out and panic and go hide. What you do is you get into your prayer closet and say, Lord, change, is gonna, change has already come. What do I do now? How do I handle and process this season? Is this okay this morning? I was telling you that there are three types of change. All of these changes are inevitable. You're not going to be able to avoid them. And the first one is literally called that. It's inevitable change. It's a change that's going to come no matter what you do, no matter where you go, no matter how you hide. And once again, you can't buy your way out of it. Inevitable change, is, 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 there's a multitude of them, but the easiest one to explain is age. That beautiful baby girl with those chubby cheeks and those chubby legs and you wish she would never change. She must grow up to be a teenager. And after, from, and it, it, God's grace permitting, from the time of a teenager, she must grow into her twilight years. This is the inevitableness of change. See, listen, change, we, we don't like it when she changes. I see some of my friends' little girls that I remember as babies, and now they're stunning young women, and I don't like it because I know how boys are. Because I is one of them. And I wish change would never come, but you ever notice that it's unstoppable? You can deny it all you want, but change is going to come. Rather than denial, learn how to deal with it, how to process it. Because there are some changes that are inevitable. And though change at times may break your heart, please hear me when I say this, to not change, to change may break your heart, but to not change would be an absolute tragedy. Because in the inevitable change of life, the changing of the seasons, God is in it. Can I, show, can I show you something in Genesis chapter? Is this okay? You getting anything out of this? Genesis 8.22, what I want you to see is that politicians are not in control. And if you think they are, you're delusional. But even at those who pretend to be in control, they're not in control. The Bible says God laughs at them. When they declare they got it all under control and they're making the decisions that control the world, God sits in heaven and laughs at them. Because you and I serve the one who truly is in control, who has a plan. And you and I, all we got to do is access it by faith. Here's what I want you to see in Genesis 8.22. Here's what the Bible says. While all the days of the land remain. One translation says, as long as the earth remains. 
Seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will not cease. Now here's what I want you to see. There's, for some, summer may be more enjoyable than winter. But both winter and summer are part of God's plan. Everyone say, I'm getting this. They're different seasons. They're not the same. And many times, me, I'm a summer kind of guy. I like summer. I left Michigan for a reason. Anyone who says snow is beautiful, you ain't never had to shovel the stuff. I remember when my wife and I first got married and it snowed in Panama City for the first time in 26 years. On, was it Christmas Day? She was elated. She was like, ah, snow, ah. No. She's like, it's beautiful. I said, it's demonic. It's of the devil. And I rebuke it. She had never shoveled it. She just saw pretty white stuff. I saw shovel, snow in Florida. Right? You, you, every season has its own beauties. Every season has its own dangers. But what we need to understand is even if it's not as enjoyable, I don't enjoy winter. I enjoy summer. But winter has a purpose. The, se the season you're in right now, you might not find it as enjoyable as you did last season. But God has a plan and he's working something out in your life. And he's bringing out a beauty that if you would just look for what God is doing... Age is just as beautiful as youth. If you know where to look and you know how to look, you may not be the same as you were the previous season, but you are a wonder and you are spectacular and you are beautiful in the season you are in right now. Accept it as part of God's plan. Every season is beautiful. One of the, the only really, have you, but you ever seen something that's out of season? When something is out of season, it's distorted. It's not as pretty as it is in season. That, 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 that grandma who's still dressing like a hoochie mama. Is hoochie mama still a word? Okay. Does it mean what it used to mean? Okay, I got to make sure because, you know, I've cussed in church more than once and didn't mean to. Because words I use, don't, whatever. But when she's still dressing like the prom queen, and the prom queen was 80 years ago, you're a grandma. Embrace it. Y'all following me? When something's out of season, it loses the beauty it could have in the season. It, could, it loses the glory if it would just embrace the season it's in. Winter, everyone say winter. Winter is beautiful in what it does. And summer is beautiful in what it does, but they're both part of God's great plan. And what we have to understand is that when change comes, it's not necessarily of the devil. Someone may have did it. Oh, wait, let me show you. Go to the, oh, is this okay? I got to show you this. Why does this thing keep shutting off? There's my face. Leave me alone. Go to the book of Genesis chapter 50. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. I know I'm jumping ahead and you back there are going to have to forgive me. That's because we love one another. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. You remember the story of Joseph, don't you? What Joseph never planned for the pit. Joseph didn't put himself in the pit. Joseph didn't make a decision to jump in. See, there are some changes that are thrust upon you. You didn't choose them, and they're not necessarily inevitable. I'm going to get back to that in just a minute. But they're unavoidable because somebody somewhere made a decision that affects you, and they didn't always have your best interest at heart. But even when somebody plots evil against you, even when they did something wrong to you, you can still come out on top because you serve a God that's greater than them. You serve a God whose ideas and plans and understanding is greater than your enemies. These people, listen, this is what Joseph said when his brothers finally came face to face with him. He said this in Genesis 50 verse 20, as for you, you meant evil against me. There's no denying it. Listen, not everything that happens to you was good. And we'll touch that in the book of Romans in just a minute. Not everything of itself, by itself, is good, enjoyable, or pleasurable. Amen. Sometimes change ain't enjoyable. 
Sometimes change ain't pleasurable. There was nothing pleasurable about the pit. There was nothing profitable about Potiphar's house. There was nothing, there was no, no enjoyment to be found in prison. But when he came out the other side and he met the people who did it to him, he didn't whitewash it. He said, what you did, you meant for evil. But let's keep reading what he said. But God. If there's ever two words in the Bible that need to be on the frontal lobe of our mind, but God. Lord, I don't understand what's going on, but God. Lord, I don't like this. It hurts. It irritates. It frustrates. It makes me mad, but God. God, I do not understand why they did what they did, why they said what they said, why they left me when they left me, but but God, you and I have got to remember that through it all and in it all, but God. God reigns supreme. And God, if we will not lose sight of Him, He, he promised He would keep us in perfect peace if we would keep our mind stayed on Him. In every season of change, but God. I don't understand why I lost what I lost, but Lord, I'm not counting my losses and I'm not counting my crosses, but God, I know you got a plan. I know you're working it out and I know I'll come out the other side of this stronger than I went in it. He said, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result. Listen, without change, Joseph would have never been in the court of Pharaoh. I want to say that again. The steps that got him there, don't listen, don't lose sight of this. The steps that got him there were painful. The steps that got him there in and of themselves made no sense. Who thinks that the path to the fulfillment of a prophecy is a pit? Well, that's good right there. I want to remember that one. See, when you and I receive a prophetic dream or an utterance, we think it's a yellow brick road going to take us there. It ain't always a yellow brick road, baby. Sometimes it's a pit. Sometimes it's a prison. Sometimes it's a somebody's house that you don't want. There are things that you will think are detours and traps, and God says they ain't nothing but steps. You got to find me in the season you're in. You got to find me in the pit. You got to find me at Potiphar's house, and you got to find me in prison because there's nowhere you go, I'm not there. There's nowhere they can place you that I'm not available to you, but you got to find me. Find him wherever you are, whatever season you're in, and he'll bring you out. And he'll bring you to a place where you can tell them that you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good to bring me to this present place so I could save your sorry self. Well, that's not in there, but I bet you he thought it. Y'all, go to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 8. I forgot to set my clock. And you ain't no restaurants open, so where are y'all going to go? Romans 8, listen to this. We know that God causes all things to work together. God causes all things to work together individually. Now see, don't, you break it down to components, individual pieces. They might confuse you and you might say, I don't know why I had to go through what I went through. I don't know why that had to happen to me. But when you put it all together and you look at the tapestry instead of getting lost in the threads, you look at the tapestry of your life and what God is weaving, only God could do that. Only God could bring you through what you brought you through. And what the devil meant to destroy you, God brought you out stronger. What the devil, the devil, make no, make, the devil wasn't trying to promote you. He was trying to destroy you. What he, he sent something against you for the purpose of extermination. And all it did was make you tired. He tried to exterminate you and you got exhausted, but you came out the other side. Because you've got a, you've got a Messiah who's praying for you who never ceases to pray for you, but he's not praying that you won't go through it. He's praying that when you come through it, when you come through the season of change, when you make it through the summertime and you make it through the wintertime and you survive the fall and you, and you go right on through the spring, when you come out, you'll be better than you were when you went in. Everyone say, but God. But God. 
God's greater than the season we're in right now. And things, when we come out of this, it might not be the same. But does it have to be? Was our prosperity tied to that? Or is it tied to Him? Did He say, I'll provide all of your needs according to my glory in the past season? Am I helping you this morning? No, no, no. He said, I will supply all of your needs according to my riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Not in the summertime, not in the wintertime, not in that season, but according to the glory. That's where it comes from. So I already gave you the one change. It's inevitable. There's an inevitableness of change that it's going to affect each and every one of us. The next one is the unavoidable. The unavoidable are the changes that are thrust upon us. They include the loss of wealth. Man, I, you know, if I told you how much money I lost because of somebody else's decision, it might not mean nothing to some of you. Some of you might think it was a fortune. To me, it was a lot of money. But you know what? I'm still here. I thought there, there were changes I went through that put me in the fetal position. And I'm not lying nor exaggerating. There are things I went through that were so painful, I thought it was the end. I thought this woman, if she'd wake up, would leave me. But we're still here. Change, change, change is not the end, y'all. It may feel like it. It might drive you to your knees, but that ain't a bad place to be. The loss of wealth, the loss of health, or even the loss of freedom. But even in these, for the Christian who operates by faith, can be used for good. Now, I already read to you Romans 8. So the second one is the, the unavoidable. And then the third one is preferable. I didn't come up with these. These are written by wise people, so it's got to be right. Preferable. Preferable are the changes we choose for ourselves. We choose to lose weight. We choose to get in shape. We choose to read a book. We choose to learn. We choose to go back to school. All of these things are changes that are preferable, right? And they're preferable because we desire a greater outcome. That's what makes them preferable. I think that going through this season of change, though it may be difficult and it may be expensive and it may be hard, the, 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 the thing on the other, the, the, the plateau, the land on the other side is desirable, so I do the preferable change. But whether it's inevitable, unavoidable, or preferable, Sam Cook prophesied it, baby, a change is going to come. So when it comes... What do we do? How do we process it? How do we deal with it? What do we let go of and what do we hold on to? Can we go back to the book of Hebrews? Y'all can give me a few more minutes? As we're going through change, listen, if we lose, listen to this. If we, I hope you remember this statement. If we lose sight of God in the midst of the change, all we see is what we have lost in the process. You want me to repeat that? If you lose sight of God in the midst of the change, all you see is what you lost. Friends, position, whatever it is, all you see is the loss. But if you get a hold of God and you keep your eyes focused on Him, you don't see the losses, you see the gains. And when you see the gains, I'm coming out of this leaner. I'm coming out of it meaner. I'm coming out of it sharper. I'm coming out of it with greater focus. I was a little bit confused when I went into it because so many, I had so many balls in the air. I didn't know which one was important. But when change came and I began to drop balls, ain't no lying. At first, I, I, I cried about the balls I was dropping. And now after all of the change and the earth shook and I lost sight and track of some things, I've only got the one. But this one thing is what the Bible says over and over. This one thing. Maybe you lost 30 things, but baby, you didn't need but one. Because the one thing that he's called you to do, the one thing he's asking of you, that is the key to your wealthy place. That's the key to your peace. That's the key to your prosperity. That's the key to your wholeness. The reason why some of us ain't getting breakthroughs is because we're trying 30 ways instead of just the one way. 
Shaken can be a great thing. Let me read to you again Hebrews chapter 12. I want to read it this time out of the Amplified Version. Now this expression, yet once more, indicates the final removal and transformation of all that can be shaken. What's the word, Dr. Jeff? That's it right there. This expression indicates the final removal. See, there are some things that you lose because you didn't need. They were distractions. The final removal and transformation of all that can be shaken. That is, of that which has been created in order, here's, here's the purpose, that what cannot be shaken may remain and continue. And that's a very important word. Continue. Don't see change as the end. It's a transformation. And it's a removal of some things. But God's intent is that which cannot be shaken is the only thing you'll be left with. And from that point, you can continue. Is this making sense to you this morning? I remember years ago when my wife and I started our first church in Poland. And, and we had this, I, I was teaching what I had been taught at Rainbow about sowing and reaping and, and, you know, and just the pure prosperity message. And, and I remember this one service. It, it was, we had a particularly big offering. I mean, it was huge for Poland. And, 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 and I, I could still take you if you and I could get on a plane and go there today. And we could probably all fit because ain't nobody traveling. But we could, we could get on a plane and we could go to Poland. I could take you to the spot where the Lord spoke to me because it made a mark on my life that will never be erased. I was patting myself on the back on the way, on the way home from church because we had had this big offering. And I thought, boy, I'm creating faith giants. Look at their sacrifices. I am an amazing preacher. Woo, I'm doing good. And when I got to this one spot, the Lord spoke to me in a not-too-gentle voice. And he said, if you're going to teach this, teach it right. I thought I was teaching it right. And he, he told me that I hadn't been teaching love. That I hadn't been adding love into what I'd been teaching. I'd been teaching the blessing and the curse, sowing and reaping, but without the love of God. And so the Lord began to, the, the Lord, and he told me my people were giving out of fear. And I remember telling him, I said, Lord, if they're, if they're teaching, if they're giving out of fear, I don't know how fear got in there. I didn't put it there. But see, if you emphasize one thing without the love of God, you can emphasize faith and the other side of it. People can interpret it as fear because you're telling them you'll do this. This is what will happen if you do it. What they're hearing is, well, this is what will happen if I don't. And so I began to teach on love, 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 love. And listen to this. The more I taught on love, the, the more our giving decreased. Until I remember one time going home from a particularly bad offering. And I got to the same spot, and I was, I was saying, Lord, if this continues, I can't afford to obey you. I'm just being honest. I can't afford to obey you, because we're going bankrupt here. And the Lord told me, he said, now you know the true level of your people's faith. Build on it. I took them down to where there was nothing but the love of God, no fear, just love, and their giving dropped to the level of the true faith. It was an accurate barometer, and he said, build on it. I don't know why I was sharing that with you. Why was I sharing that? I guess so, because I got no reason. I'm trying to bring you to a close here. Huh? I don't know. Apply it wherever it fits. Oh, I know what it is. Yeah, thank you, John. See, a lot of times, what you, you think you've got it made, but when a shaking occurs... When change comes, you find out what is really necessary because a lot of the things that we thought we had to have, we learn we can survive without. In fact, we can do much better without all those things. That, that's, I'm glad I found my way around that. We find out with the shaking, if the shaking had never occurred, we would have just kept amassing, 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 and having distractions. And we would have said, look at what the Lord has done. And what you forgot was the Lord didn't do that. Visa did it. MasterCard did it. The mortgage did it. Debt did it. And you're barely holding on, and you're calling all these things a blessing, but let one shaking, and you lose it all. When you've lost it all, you're left with the only thing that'll remain. And even if it's not what you had going into it, you can build on that. That was the whole point. You can build on that one thing. If this is the only ball I got left, Lord, I'm this. Look at God. This is all I got. It's yours. 
Now he can build a foundation in your life and it'll never be shaken. All right, so you've got the unavoidable, you've got the inevitable, and you've got the preferable. Now we need to learn how to deal with it because change is not the end. It's just different. It's not bad. It's not good. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 21, and I'll hurry up so you can get to your restaurant. Oh, wait. They closed. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 21, reading it to you out of the Amplified. But test and prove all things until you recognize what is good to that hold fast this is this is wisdom from the apostle paul the setting was different but the application is just the same but test and prove all things until you recognize what is good and to that even in the midst of change hold fast there are some things in the process of change you need to let go because the reason why some people come out of change worse than they went in is because they're seeking to hold on to the wrong things. As I already said this, they hold on to the past. Looking to the way things were. But you can never get back. In fact, can I show you a Bible verse that says if you keep looking back, you're not fit for the kingdom of God? Look at this in, in, in John or Luke chapter 9, verse 62. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back to the things behind is fit for the kingdom of God. What is Jesus saying? Is he saying this because he lacks compassion? No, he's saying this because he knows your future is where your life is. Your future is where the blessings are. Quit looking back at the things. Paul even said it another way. He said, forget about those things that are behind you so you can press on to that. Let it go. Let them go. Let it go. Because I already said, you can't get it back. There is no such thing as a time machine. You can't go back 50 years and relive those good old days. Why? Because they gone. We, sometimes we hold on to the wrong things. Go to the book of Psalms. What do we hold on to? I got three things to give you and then I'll dismiss you. I want to leave you with just three things that you and I can hold on to. And when all of this change is over, and then in that moment of time before the next season of change starts, we know what we're holding on to. Listen to this out of Psalms 102, verse 25. Of old you founded the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. Even they will perish, but you endure. And all of them will wear out like a garment, like clothing you will change them, and they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will not come to an end. Hold on to God, y'all. You might, you might lose a lot of friends. You might lose a lot of things. You might lose location, position, possession, but hold on to God. Yes. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12. I'm giving you the second thing, reading it to you out of the Passion Translation. For now we see but a faint reflection of riddles and mysteries, as though reflected in a mirror. But one day we will see face to face. My understanding is incomplete now. But one day I will understand everything, just as everything about me has been fully understood. Verse 13, until then, there are three things that remain, faith, hope, and love, yet love surpasses them all. So above all else, let love be the beautiful prize for which you won't run. I want you to encourage you, hold on to faith. Don't let go of faith. Faith remains. And faith can't be shaken. But faith is fragile, but it can't be shaken. I want to say this to you. Can you bear a few more nuggets? A faith that cannot fail requires the understanding of a love that does not cease. Do you get A faith that cannot fail requires an understanding, or should I say beyond an understanding, a connection with a love that does not cease. 
When you know that his love for you does not cease, no matter what you're going through, you might look tattered, you might look bruised. This might have been the most horrendous battle. No one knows what you've gone through, but you did not go through it on love, baby. You did not go through it alone because if he wasn't loving you every step of that fight, you would have died in it because the enemy wasn't coming just to wrestle you. He was coming to assassinate you. And the thing that kept you alive was the love of God. So if you have a connection with a love that does not cease, your faith will not fail. The second thing to hold on to is hope. Hope is that earnest expectation that I'm coming out of this ahead. Hope is that earnest expectation, though, though I can't see it now, though I can't even feel it now, I know that he's working things together for my good. And when I come out of this, I'm coming out on top because God's plan for me has not changed. My circumstances have changed. My location has changed. My title might change. But his love for me has not changed. His plan for me has not changed. And lastly, love. Never, listen to this, never surrender to the bitterness of the broken. But hold on to the beauty of love. Never surrender to the bitterness of the broken. Don't let change break you. And then lastly, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 25. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. Before this pandemic was ever announced, there was this book. This book survived the swine flu. This book survived the bubonic plague. This book survived the great droughts and famines of every generation. Do not let our present situation, it ought to drive you into the book. Find out what God has said about it. Because this is not just ancient knowledge written in a foreign land by someone who spoke a foreign tongue. This is God Almighty speaking to Avon, saying, Avon, here's what I want you to do on April 26, 2020. God's plan is in this book. So do not let go of God. Do not let go of faith. Do not let go of hope. Do not let go of love. And keep this word hidden in your heart. And when the, do- when the, when the smoke has settled or is cleared and the dust has settled, however it is, when it all gets blown away, you'll be standing there victorious. And the banner over you will not say the defeated. It'll say the undefeated. Go ahead and give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah, Father. If I could ask you to stand to your feet, we're going to dismiss you with prayer.